Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Well.com podcast. I'm Bo Wigington, and today I'm sitting down with Adam Stretch, and we are talking about student questions about welding school. It's time to get back to school, and we want to answer those questions. How are you today, Adam? I'm doing fantastic. I know that we've been looking on our, our new app there, the Weld app, that quite a few of the fresh students have questions, and let's tackle them. Let's see what they've got. I know going to school could be quite nerve-wracking, especially if you've never welded before or you're starting a new process. So hopefully we can help alleviate some of that stress. First question that I know is one of the biggest questions, what kind of welding hood should I get when going to school? Should I get a passive lens? Should I get an auto darkening? Like how much should I be spending on a hood? Ooh, fresh students coming into welding school. That's a that's a tough one. The old pipeliner, you know, sugar scoop, two by four, fixed shade 10 or 11 hood is fantastic. Sometimes I prefer it because you don't have so much information coming in. If you look at something like that, the 3M, you know, GL5 there with a massive curved lens, you're taking in almost too much information. Where if you were using, you know, the, the old straight two by four fixed shade, you can only see the arc in front of you and you're not able to absorb more information than just that arc while you're learning. That being said, the auto darks, I think, are a lot easier for students to learn on. Now, that gets an argument, you know, the, the guys that have been around for a while, we're, we're used to throwing our hood on and knocking our head down and, and getting to work. The students coming in, you're trying to position your arms and figure out where your hands need to be and, and you keep moving around and it's hard to move, lock yourself into position, knock your head and start your weld all at the same time, especially with something like a, you know, 14 inch stick rod hanging out the stinger. Yeah. <laughs> So from that aspect, I would say the auto dark is definitely an easier one to learn, but you should learn both to have a fixed shade as a backup. Also welded outside with a fixed shade. And if you're welding outside or you happen to throw it down a seven-story elevator shaft, uh, the ADFs (laughs) don't last very well. Well, and as far as passive lenses, something that someone turned me on to when I was in school was getting the gold, the gold lens. If you're really invested, getting a gold lens is going to give you better detail of what colors you're actually looking at where the heat is going into the metal. If you're going to try to save some money on like a passive hood, at least put a little bit of money into getting a nice gold lens in there and don't scratch that lens. That's for sure. I I actually use a gold lens rubber banded to my mirrorless camera for the arc shots that I get. So, <laughs> Is yours glass or is it the plastic one? Mine is, the one I'm using is glass. Where would I go about tracking down one? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you got to know old guys who still have them in their toolboxes. Okay. Well, you can um, at welding supply store. They do have the plastic ones, but I still haven't been able to find a glass one. 
the the plastic ones are are a step better than just that you know black green glass similar to all the old adfs like the old millers had the old green look to them but that gold really helps the color stand out and when it comes to the cost of the hoods though i, I think people they're under the misconception that spending three four five six hundred dollars on a hood is going to make them a better welder and it's not if you bend what you can afford and what you're comfortable affording if you know that this is your career and you're going to do it for a long time you know it's okay to i guess invest in yourself a little more for me i guess i've really been liking the lincoln vikings like the 3350 nice clear look and the the price was appropriate for the quality of of vision and and the lens that you're getting the the main one there is finding something that's got uh, replaceable batteries you know if you're off in the summer and you weren't working you come back in the fall that you know yeah you strike that first arc and then you got to wait about five minutes until you don't have that little black hole in front of your eyesight, you know? (laughs) Another thing with the uh, auto darkening hoods, I had an auto darkening hood when I first got into welding that was super cheap and it had the control on the side of the hood. And every time I'd flip my hood down, it would change the setting. So if you do get an auto darkening hood, make sure that the setting is not going to change when you flip it down or just tape it in place. That's what a little bit of super glue in that's now a, a fixed shade 10 auto dark but i mean that i guess that would touch on one yeah. more is you could get the uh the fixed shade you know the two by four type lenses and get those drop-in cartridges so you don't have an adjustable auto dark but you still get the auto dark feature where where it will on and off you get some adjustment on your sensitivity but you're limited to a shade 10 or shade 11 something like that but still maintaining that that two by four type where would you send your students to go get equipment should they be going on amazon or how do you find a local welding supply store that you trust so for us every new group of students coming in we do a new student orientation and we have one of our local weld suppliers holston gas that does a fantastic job supporting our students they offer a lot of you know benefits in student pricing they help with scholarships and the such and and so they've been a great partner they're not the only one. And I inform all the students that you really need to stop in at all the weld shops around you, whether it's a, a air gas or a Nexair or Praxair, Volunteer Welding A1, American Welding Gas, you know, uh, just a, a local weld shop. Arc 3. Stop and see what those guys got. Hang out at the counter, visit, talk to the people coming in. Not every shop's going to have the same on-hand supplies. And you might need to know that that company on the other side of town actually stocks those special clamps or, or that weird magnet thing that you saw that you're in a bind and that's going to solve your problem and just knowing what's out there that being said you can get uh you know welding supplies on on amazon or you know any of the online retailers know that if you're buying your hood through an online retailer your local weld supplier is probably not going to do a very good job of supporting that so if there is an issue most of the quality hoods have a a three-year warranty on them your local weld supply is going to be able to swap you out for a loaner until yours comes back or they might just swap yours right out on the spot if you did it online, you're going to have to box it up, ship it back, wait for it, get it shipped back. And, you know, with current shipping delays and everything, you might be out of hood for two or three or four or five or six weeks. And that's a big portion of your welding semester that you could be losing. And you might end up having to buy a second hood to be getting through. So that's just something to consider. Well, and then another thing on the equipment side, do I need to have fire resistant special FR treated clothing to go to school? I'm going to say no. You're going to be expected to show up with leather steel-toed boots on, pair of blue jeans, some kind of, you know, usually a t-shirt, 
and then some kind of a appropriate welding apparel. That could be just a cotton, you know, like a Carhartt type of work shirt. It can be just a, like a Dickies work shirt with those green sleeves that you pull up, you know, the, the, just the green oh, sleeve yeah. that you pull up your arm. Just a short sleeve Dirk Dickies work shirt. Could be the green jackets, you know, depending on your comfort and how much you're investing in yourself and what you're doing. I've got full leathers that I only put on when I'm going to crawl underneath something and get showered in, in sparks or, or carbon arc gouging where you're, you're there's no other way to shower yourself with hot metal otherwise i don't want to be that warm you know i personally have a couple of the up and smoke jackets they're extremely comfortable but again if you're getting into welding this is an expensive hobby i wouldn't say run out and drop that kind of money that's not something you need the first week of welding class that's something you reward yourself with when you get a job or or maybe you started a side hustle and you made your first little bit of cash to invest in yourself and you got you treated yourself with something Another big thing I would say, if you are investing in fire-resistant clothing, you need to make sure you know how to use a grinder properly because if you're shooting sparks right at yourself, you will burn holes through them still. It's not fireproof. It's fire-resistant. So if you are buying these fire-resistant clothes, you want to make sure that you're properly using your equipment because you could still burn holes through them. Just saying. And that's an expensive mistake. <laughs> that That is a very expensive mistake. I had a student last semester that was going to do their welding in a, in a hoodie, and they were not quite responsible with where the pouch of their hoodie was on a wire wheel and quickly found the uh, kangaroo pouch was no longer attached to the sweatshirt and was wrapped inside of the... And they yeah. actually still had, you know, the, the two handles and the guard and everything on. They just got themselves into a corner, kicked back, and it ripped the pouch off. And their eyes got really big because that happens quick. <laughs> Oh, yeah, a, gr- a grinder can change your life in a second. So yes, you want to make sure you don't have stuff that is going to get caught up in the moving part. I'm in school. I'm working really hard. How do I practice outside of class? I don't have like a couple thousand dollars to spend on a machine. How would I go about learning at home? That's a great question. I think a, a huge opportunity for everyone to get some additional arc time without getting arc on time. Different ways to build your skill set. Watching videos. Go out and, and log into log into apps and log into YouTube and, and watch the different videos where you concentrate on their arc. Just look at their puddle, what it looks like. Look at their rod angles. Look at their torch angles. Look how they're holding things. Look at how they're manipulating their filler metal. Where's their body position? Pay attention to the kinesiology behind it. What is somebody else doing? You can do that both outside of class and you can do it during class. Instead of going and sitting in the break room and playing on your cell phone, if you need to take a break, set your torch down, but turn around and look at the student behind you. What are they doing? What does theirs look like? Try and get some of that one-on-one. A couple of big ones that I get with that is for those students that are doing TIG welding, this is a 3D printed TIG torch. I'll send you the STL file so anybody can print this off. This was done by one of my other instructors, Darren Aldred, had designed this. You put an Expo marker in it, put Sharpie in it, right? That's genius. Take the cap off, okay? And now you take some lined paper. And the best way to do this is to set a dime on the paper, okay? Set a, set a dime on the paper and work on just pushing that dime across the paper. If the dime doesn't move, you've got too much arc line. If you're putting dots on the paper, you're sticking your tungsten. The nice part is that you can take this a step further you can wrap this same piece of paper around a piece of pipe, you know, any even a piece of PVC pipe. You wrap it around it, and for those students that are a little more advanced and they're working on their pipe skills, you can work, practice your walk in the cup. The nice part is there, now you're trying to keep the lines between two pieces of paper, or two of the lines. 
So you're working on the delicate action it takes and the muscle memory, because so much of what we're doing is just muscle memory to work on what it should feel like going around the pipe. Now you can go into all kinds of positions. If you can't 3D print one, you can just take a torch head itself. Um, that's how I learned years ago. I had an old journeyman. I said, I want to learn to walk the cup. He pulled a torch head off, handed it to me on a Friday. Said, you need to walk everything in your house. I want you to walk up. All the corners, walk, start at the bottom and walk to the ceiling and out of the corners. Set a coffee cup on your the middle of your coffee table and, and practice going around the outside of it. And I'll teach you how to do it on Monday. I came in on Monday and I'm like, all right, so, you know, this is what I'm doing. And he's like, all right, you got it. <laughs> this is like, dang. <laughs> I was really excited to learn to walk the cup. And I was like, all right, I can't wait to find the secret. You know, it's like there's there's some big secret to walking the cup. And they're like, nope, just practice. You know, you just got to get the feeling of it. Just and practice and muscle memory. And you got to, you know, in that one, you got to decide if, uh, you know, if you're going to lock your arm and, and do the chicken dance or if you're going to, you know, lock everything here and, and just get the wrist motion. Yeah. <laughs> what, what what I see too often is people try to do both. Let the let the cup sit there and do the work. Just lightly rock it back and forth. And that's one that, that's one that I had struggled with because I had done a lot of dabbing beforehand mm -hmm. and I would lock right up and then be really tight on the torch. And then you'd go to, to walk the cup and you have to, you have to be really loose on it. It doesn't owe you money. Yeah. <laughs> it's trying to make you money. Yeah. It is not taking it. It is giving it. And I'm going to take that concept a step further is just using a Sharpie and that same line paper. If you just take a Sharpie and hold it like you've got your MIG gun in your hand, right? Mm -hmm. You got your MIG gun in your hand. Come down on your piece of paper and make a, make a line and then come down and make a line as though you were putting a weld on the plate. What you're looking for is are your lines nice and straight? Are you constantly doing this kind of a thing? Okay, well, if you're dropping off in the same location, you need to reposition your body. Body, and that's probably one of the biggest issues that I see with new welders. Everybody wants to start where they're comfortable and move to where they're uncomfortable and they run out of shoulder movement. They run out of wrist movement. It's easy to tip the wrist in. It's hard to tip it out. So if you start, if you're right-handed and you, you take a half a step to the left of your part, you're going to start uncomfortable and you're going to move into your comfort zone. Everybody wants to start where they're comfortable and then move to where their body is no longer capable of moving. And then they start trying to have to bend wrists and elbows and break everything. You'd really like to maintain the same position throughout and just a, a Sharpie and some lined paper. I've had students leave class, their welds were okay, but they were not in straight lines. They did this exact exercise on three pieces of paper. They came back two days later, got back in their booth, and I was astounded how much better it was. You can work on manipulations, you can work on small C's, you can work on zigzags and whips if you want, but being able to run consistently you know, that's eight and a half, that's eight and a half by 11. That's eight and a half inches of straight line. That's going to cover most of the coupons you're welding in class. You should have a nice straight line throughout the whole thing. If you're getting that, you're well on your way. And that didn't cost anything. Um, obviously, there's a lot of, you know, very, very budget friendly welders out there um, to get you some more arc time. But not everybody has not only the welder, but then you have to have a space to do it and power to do it and gas and material and ways to cut and prep and bevel. This costs you a Sharpie and a piece of paper. Well, and another really big resource that we are both a part of is going to be the Weld app that Weld.com just put out because there's a ton of educational resources on there. And I know when I was going through school, I felt like Indiana Jones sometimes trying to find the lost 
video on YouTube that was going to give me the exact thing that I was looking for. The app, it has educational stuff broken down into different positions, processes, all that kind of stuff. So if you are looking for a leg up and just a better example, the app is going to be a good spot to look. Not only do you have the leg up there on being able to look at everything, you've also got access to all the instructors that are out there. You know, everybody that's posting videos is on the app. Reach out, send us messages, interact. Sometimes it's just a quick pointer. Hey, take a half a step to your left. Drop your plate down. Uh, that's that's probably the biggest one that I see in people learning vertical is everybody puts their 3G plate too high. The top of the plate should be no higher than the bottom of your hand if your hand's sitting on your shoulder. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Weld.com podcast. Make sure you tune in next week for part two to make sure you start the semester with your best foot forward. Also, don't forget to download the Weld app today to get connected to a global network of welders as well as tons of great educational content. Until next week, we'll see you out there.